Are you a procrastinator? There's no judgment from me when I ask that question. In fact, I don't procrastinate so much anymore, but I do find myself avoiding task. Ha. Huh. Don't you like how I manipulated my wording there? You know, that's a denial statement, right? In fact, I just got back from vacation and I had some work I had to catch up on. And I don't know if you do this when you've been gone on vacation and you have to come back and do work, but I found myself avoiding the work because I get anxiety sometimes. I get like overwhelmed of like, have I lost the skills? And I start to catastrophize and all of these negative thinking traps bombard my mind and I have to take a second and recalibrate. The cruel irony with procrastination is it often results in a last minute rush to complete the task. Now, I've been working on my procrastination for over probably two decades or close to it, and I don't really struggle with procrastination. I will find myself avoiding stuff, but I also believe in allowing the Lord to guide my steps, and I do recalibrate and get to work. And I'll share some tips that have really helped me overcome procrastination in this episode. And if you haven't guessed it, we are talking about how to defeat procrastination. So welcome back to The Liz Show. My name is Elizabeth Lewis. By all means, call me Liz. And like I said, we're going to defeat procrastination. This is a big, big, big reality for a lot of high performers. But today, I hope it is your last day participating with such a phenomenon. Now, if you are prone to procrastinate, then you most likely struggle with perfectionism. And let's be honest, as a recovering perfectionist, I know how much perfectionists hate when our work is less than ideal or at the very least 80% satisfactory. We want everything to be perfect and 100%, but sometimes we can really psych ourselves out. And again, perfectionism is a very destructive way of seeing life. It's a destructive mindset. And so you want to make sure you also nip that in the butt. And I have an episode about that. I'll put that in the show notes in case you're curious to listen to that episode. Now, if you are a procrastinator, I want to know how important is it for you to change your behavior on a one to 10 scale? Just take a second. You know, what's the number for you on that one to 10 scale? 10 being 100%, I'm ready to change. One is being, I don't want to change at all. So 0%. Again, no judgment. We're just having an honest conversation with ourselves. So once you figure out your number, I want you to ask yourself, how motivated are you to change your procrastination behavior on that same one to 10 scale? 10 being 100% motivated, one being 0% motivated. Once you have that score, I'm curious, why wasn't that score two points lower? Just take a second and answer for yourself. Now, the last question for you is, what are three benefits to changing this behavior, to ending procrastination? For me, it's a lot less stress. It's a sense of accomplishment, right? That self-competency is important for me. And it allows me to stay organized and proficient. I don't really personally like having things over my head. I don't even like it when a teacher in grade school would be behind me looking over me. And I can't even stand it today. Like if if my boyfriend's over me and I'm working, I'm like, dude, move. Or if I'm practicing golf and there's like someone behind me, I'm like, oh my gosh, you're stressing me out. I can't handle this. So I don't like those things. But I'd be curious to know your three reasons as well. Now, I hope you genuinely answer those questions because doing so actually is going to help you start to change your ways. So let's talk about procrastination for a second. 
Now, procrastination is a means to move forward with a task tomorrow. So you're putting off things for tomorrow. And there's that old saying, which sometimes I butcher, so give me grace, that don't put off tomorrow what you can do today. And I think it's such an accurate statement, personally. Procrastination is a maladaptive way of thinking. And it's often thought of as an irrational delay of behavior. At the end of the day, there's really not a lot of positivity to having procrastination as your way of doing work. At the end of the day, procrastination includes some form of voluntarily postponing, delaying, or putting off a task or decision, despite extending the outcome to be worse off due to the delay. One thing I want to emphasize in that definition, which is a really broad definition that encapsulates pretty much all reasons for procrastination, right, is it's a voluntary decision, meaning you are choosing to postpone. And that right there is key because it's a choice. And so if you're using your ability, your autonomy, really, to make a decision that's hindering you, we want to start to investigate it. Now, I want to share some things around brain and procrastination for a second, because here's the thing. If you are prone to procrastinate, And I mean where you are procrastinating like 80% or more of the tasks you need to do. There could be an ADHD link. There could also be other neurodevelopmental issues. Now, if you are a procrastinator, mainly out of fear or anxiety, then we have to look at a different viewpoint. For example, I don't have ADHD. When I procrastinate, like I shared in the beginning of this episode around coming back from vacation and just feeling a little out of whack and having anxiety, I was practicing avoidance. Now, one thing I know about me is I'll practice avoidance for a handful of hours and then I get to work and I'll share that tip that helps me. I also had a lot of things going on the day that I was avoiding the work I needed to do and it was still actually part of my vacation because I came home early. So I gave myself a little bit more grace but I used discernment to figure out what was best for me during that day. And I'm a big proponent of praying. So I always ask God to ask me what I should do. And currently my boyfriend's moving to a new place. So he needed my help. My mom needed my help. My brother needed my help. And that was worthwhile for me. But let's get back to today's episode. If you procrastinate a lot, like I was saying, then we really want to focus on improving and strengthening your executive functioning. Now, again, this is would be more of a tendency if you have like ADHD or some other neurodevelopmental issue, because what happens, especially with ADHD, is you have a poor executive functioning system. But praise the Lord, because your brain is malleable, meaning we can strengthen it so you can actually improve your executive functioning system. But it's going to take effort, it's going to take attention, and it surely is going to take practice. Now, given that procrastination research implicated difficulties in executive functioning, the frontal lobe is the prime candidate for this annoying behavior, we could say. And remember, your executive functioning helps you with planning, organizing time, sustaining focus, learning from your mistakes, and decision making. And I love helping people have a champion identity. And those are some factors, just some, not all, that champions have honed in. They're great planners. They're great at organizing their time, sustaining focus. This one is a huge one, and I'll share a little bit more about that in a future episode. Learning from mistakes and decision-making. Like, you have to reflect, and that's actually part of memory, which we'll talk about in another episode, too, and really using past decisions and your memory to make better decisions. So if you're really curious to know, like, where you fall with your executive functioning system or 
your procrastination, there's an assessment that I have in the show notes. It's not one I created. It's a freebie and it's a self-report measure. And this assessment is called the Behavior Rating Inventory of Executive Functioning or BRIEF for short. And again, it's a self-report measure and it's found statistically significant associations between all nine clinical subscales of the brief and academic procrastination. So to put this in layman's terms, it's something that psychologists and therapists will use to get an idea of what's really going on in their procrastination. So you might want to take it. It's pretty quick. It's pretty short. Now, big picture, there's two types of procrastination. One is considered to be active procrastination or task characteristic. And it refers to really situational causes, meaning you're identifying favorable but unnecessary tasks versus those that are not favorable but necessary to complete, kind of is the crux, is what we're finding in research. So let me give you an example. Socializing with friends versus conducting a research on a term paper. I mean, which one sounds more exciting to you? most likely you're gonna choose socializing with friends. So a primary factor in choosing one task over another is the time of rewards and punishment. And you have to remember that our brain is naturally and unconsciously seeking to do things that's gonna bring the greatest rewards, right? And if your dopamine level's off or if your reward system is off in your brain, then you're gonna have a harder time discerning really what those reward activities are. So a meaningful relationship is often evident between time timing and procrastination behavior and that procrastination diminishes as a deadline or due date approaches, right? You might be like, oh, you know what, friend, I've got to leave because I really actually just realized I have a day and a half to write that research paper. Now, I'm going to be honest, I am prone to doing this one as well. It's very rare that I do it nowadays. My old self would do this quite a bit. And I've found in my years in therapy and coaching that a lot of people who are really high in creativity and also struggle with perfectionism, not necessarily that they have to be both, are really prone to this. They really like more of that rush to get the project done, right? So they need to be a little bit closer to the deadline in order to get the job done. The second type of procrastination is called passive procrastination or task aversiveness. And this is really putting off what you don't like to do. And usually it's because of fear, overwhelm, or anxiety. I see this with a lot of high performers, to be honest. As the intrinsic displeasure for a task increases, so increases the likelihood of avoiding it, right? Like for me, I was just a little anxious about getting my feet back into work for some silly reason. Um, And I know this about me, so I get ahead of it. I give myself some grace, like I've said. And again, people tend to favor tasks that are judged as more pleasant in the short term. This is why you really have to grow your ability for delayed gratification or long-term pleasure. It's very important that we grow this, especially if we want to be champions in our identity, because the more anxiety provoking or effort a task is going to take or is perceived to take, the more likely a person would procrastinate. I've also seen individuals struggle with task aversiveness when they have low responsibility or again, those perfectionistic tendencies, right? Especially you have to remember that perfectionism has a fear of discomfort. So we don't want to be uncomfortable. So we're going to avoid everything that makes us uncomfortable instead of kind of biting the bullet and just doing what you need to do. Early on in the Liz Show podcast episodes, I shared an episode on the big five, the five key personality traits, and it's known as Ocean, open-mindedness, conscientiousness, extroversion, 
assertiveness and neuroticism. Those are kind of the key personality traits, personality theorist experts are saying are really important to kind of hone in on. I provide a psychometric assessment that scores individuals in 23 psychometrics, but again, personality experts are really saying like, let's just focus on these five. They all give you a little bit of information, but to kind of bring procrastination into these big five personality traits can be really effective. For instance, let's start with neuroticism. So we're going to start at the end of Ocean. And this contains the facets of impulsivity, irrational beliefs, so think of thinking traps for for a second, self-efficacy and self-esteem, self-handicapping and depression. What we've discovered in research is the more impulsive you are, the more likely you are going to struggle with procrastination. So there is a direct correlation between impulsiveness and procrastination. So one way you can start to reduce your procrastination tendencies is by increasing your self-control, your composure, your self-discipline big picture, the relationship you have with yourself. Again, one of the best ways to improve your discipline is by keeping your word to yourself. Integrity is an all or nothing game. Learn how to keep your word to yourself. Next, let's look at conscientiousness. There's been a strong correlation with procrastination, making it one of the largest single correlations with procrastination, believe it or not. And there's a strong face value in this finding as it appears obvious that an individual who demonstrates a strong work ethic and moral compass would tend to organize their activities in such a manner that allows one to complete important tasks effectively. Big picture, the more conscientious you are, the more likely you will not struggle procrastination. Now, there's going to be times and tendencies where this isn't the case. For instance, I'm really high in conscientiousness and I don't really struggle procrastination, but sometimes I get anxious and I get overwhelmed and I have to take a functional distraction break, right? And that's okay. Those things are important. We've got to sometimes do what we've got to do in the moment so that we can recalibrate. So again, if you have a lower level of conscientiousness, if you rate low in that psychometric, then you are going to have a tendency to procrastinate a little bit more. And it kind of makes sense when you stop and think about it. There's also connection with long-term goals and time management, believe it or not. And I've found that there is a um, big correlation with self-control in that one and your executive functioning system, because again, this is talking about planning. So procrastinators tend not to be oriented toward the future in their planning. Again, this ties right back to being impulsive. They want short-term gratification. They want what they want and they want it now. They don't really see the forest for the trees type of scenario. Next, you have sensation seeking. And I personally find this one to be really interesting. And again, all of this connects if you stop and you really see this at a really high eagle eye view. And this is, again, related to impulsiveness, right? People who are impulsive are usually sensation-seeking. And research suggests that some procrastinators are motivated by adrenaline rush of putting off tasks until the last minute and trying to finish before the deadline. They really enjoy that. And it's a dangerous trap, right? We're really talking about maladaptive ways of thinking, identities, perspectives, and mindsets here, right? Now, sensation-seeking is defined as boredom-proneness, and that's characterized by both frequent and intense feelings of boredom. Now, research shows considerably stronger relationships with procrastination if you are more prone to either sensation-seeking or feeling boredom. Personally, I think individuals who struggle with boredom struggle with what is known as 
lust of the flesh, right? They don't want to feel bored. They don't want to feel uncomfortable. So they put themselves in situations that hinder them in the long run so that they can avoid what they don't want to feel, right? That's just my two thoughts. There's also self-handicapping and who hasn't done that, right? And this involves behaviors such as spending more time on projects or assignments on which one is more likely to fail. This has also demonstrated an average correlation with failure, right? And this is why you've got to have a right uh, viewpoint on what failure is, because research has found that procrastinators were more likely than non-procrastinators to enter voluntarily into situations that would likely handicap their performance. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And there's also a link between depression and procrastination as well. And I think, again, that's a little common sense when we stop and think about it. So here's the thing. We've got to get comfortable with failing. We've got to get comfortable with doing things that actually move us forward and not just feel good. I call this mental masturbation. Might be an ugly term, but it's true. A lot of people do things that feel good thinking-wise, but actually produce nothing of value. Now, here are the psychological roots to procrastination. And again, the majority of research on procrastination suggests that those who procrastinate demonstrate, again, higher impulsivity, so that means low control and composure, a lack of self-regulation, usually this is a result of low self-confidence and low self-esteem, and there's a greater likelihood for depression, so you're being pessimistic, right? That's that's the poor perspective that you want to crucify, if you will. And again, those lower levels of self-esteem, as I already said. So maybe you're like, cool, is thanks for sharing all that, like, mumble-jumble about procrastination. What are the solutions? Like, how do I get rid of procrastination? How do I defeat it? And I would say, great question. And that's what we're going to talk about now. Big picture and the best encouragement I can give you is you want to work on growing your motivation to do things on a timely schedule. We all have the right amount of motivation inside of us, believe it or not. The key is learning how to develop and grow that motivation so that you can implement it. Now there's about six stages in the change cycle. So sometimes we might be in pre-contemplation before we get moving to contemplation. And then from contemplation, we might get into action. And some of this is gonna take time. Sometimes it's gonna take longer than you want it to take. Last year, I was working on something that was really personal that I wanted to stop doing. And I think it took me almost a year before I finally got into the action and maintenance stage. So some of these things take time, but there's things that you can do to continue to grow that motivation. And that's what I did. And by all means, I'm a big proponent of bring God into it. Now, here are a few questions that will help you contemplate that motivation, help you get get ready to either implement or um, start to even consider changing. One of the questions is, why might you change? Why might you stop procrastinating? What are your reasons? The next question is, how ready are you to change on a scale of one to 10, one being not ready at all, and 10 being like, I am totally ready. And then my follow-up question to that is, why didn't you pick a lower number? Here's the next question. Now imagine you've successfully stopped procrastinating what would the positive outcomes be? And my follow-up question to that is, why are those outcomes important to you? And lastly, what's the next step, if any? The second solution that I'm gonna give you is take your task and make it into bite-sized pieces. 
If you want to stop procrastinating, concentrate on concrete rather than intangible aspects of your task. It's hard to put something into action if you don't have a grasp on the details. You know, I remember when I first got into business, I had to get my taxes ready and I was so overwhelmed because I was like, I don't know what to do. And I just remember being like, okay, I know what the end product looks like. Let me now make this bite size. So day one, I'm just gonna collect all of the papers, right? Credit card statements, property statements, everything that I need that my accountant's gonna need because I give my um, stuff to my accountant, right? And then I was like, okay, next I need to itemize you know, what were the business expenses? What was the healthcare expenses? What was the education expenses and so forth. And I just made it really bite sized and it made it so much less overwhelming. I did the same thing with my research papers and I got a handful of degrees now. And when I wrote one of my theses, which ended up being like 90 pages or something absurd, and it was only supposed to be 30, I just remember being like, okay, let's do this in bite sizes. This is one section. This is the next section. This is the next section. Okay, for this first session, I, section, I need this, this, and this. And the more you can create, like in my world, a linear path, I'm a linear thinker. So like, I don't know, those like mind maps don't really work for me, but a linear outline works for me really well. I would make this clear plan and I would stick to it. And I would try to just do about like an hour to an hour and a half of the task a day. And I'll share how I got activated in a second. The next thing you wanna do is try thinking about it in a very specific concrete terms to make it feel like it must be completed sooner than later, right? A lot of times people focus on why they don't have to do it right now. Mm -mm, mm -mm, that's the wrong way of thinking. We wanna break that project into those small manageable parts and then try completing just one chunk of a time while remembering, hey, I'm gonna to need to complete this sooner than later. So start small. Now here's the thing, maybe you're like, cool is that sounds great, super tangible, super clear, make it small, make it bite-sized, make a plan, stick to it. How the heck do I get committed? because I can just easily get distracted on my computer. Well, this is where you wanna use the activation rule. And there is a link to that episode in the show notes too. That is one of the best game changers to breaking procrastination. And then the third piece of solution advice I'm gonna give you is start to visualize. Because here's the thing, you visualize procrastinating, which, which is why you do it at the end of the day. So now we need to visualize yourself being proactive and assertive with your time management and productive with your task, right? We need to change the role you are playing in your work because the current role causes you to procrastinate. You avoid, you find all the reasons why you don't have to do it right now. So now we gotta change the role. We gotta change the relationship with yourself. And it's gonna feel awkward and weird when you first start. It's just like sea legs, give yourself some grace. It's all about practicing it. And every single time you practice it, trying to do 1% better. That's the key, right? It's competing with yourself. For instance, like right now, I'm trying to perfect my golf game. I'm a newbie at golf. I've played like six times. So I'm, I'm not amazing by any means, but every single time I go and I practice, I focus on just implementing 1% better. Like how can I get 1% better? Because that's really tangible and it sets yourself up for success and not failure. I hope you got some takeaways from today's episode. I am rooting for you. Please rate this episode or this podcast. It would mean the world to me if you could do that on Apple and that link is down below as well. In the meantime, create a great day and remember you got this.